today I am with Ali. Ali, can you introduce yourself, please? Hi there, welcome. I am Ali Edwards. I am a birth and postnatal doula with Do the UK. I have been since 2011. Um, I am secretary and infrastructure lead and doula support coordinator for Do the UK. Um, I am to Paul. We've been married for 20 years. We live in Mark's Tay in Colchester. Uh, we have six children all together, a blended family. Um, my stepson, Lewis, is 23. My daughter, Katie, is 22. My stepdaughter, Emily, is 22. My son, Brandon, is 21. Our son, William, is 18. And our daughter, Hannah, is 14. Uh, only three at home. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it sounds a lot like so I, I also have a blended family um so yeah. my my oldest two children um who are children who are 20 and 17 um are from my first marriage and um and then Jamie and I have four children together who range from 11 to 3 um can you tell me please what at what point did you have your first experience of a baby in special care or intensive care does my own count or do we just want professional no no, no your own your own okay uh, so my son Brandon was born at 31 weeks um, my waters had started trickling at 29 weeks okay. so I was um, on bed rest and watched for that period of time until he decided at 31 weeks that now was his time um, and along he came uh, so that was my first experience of um, a baby needing special care and the teamwork that comes with that within a hospital yeah. um, so the birth itself was um, a very wonderful very wonderful positive birth it was one of my most positive births. wow yeah um, I have to say that it's true mm -hmm. <laughs> um, my first recollection was a very quick hello to him mm -hmm. before they took him to special care. How, how, how did that go? Um, they had bundled him up. I'd got a quick look at his face. Mm -hmm. they, they said I could quickly look at him before mm -hmm. they took him away. Um, I was on my own, so I didn't have anyone to go with him to special care. So yeah. I, I, had a picture bliss um at the time we were doing picture cards mm -hmm. so you could have a card on your bedside cabinet with your baby's picture on it um so they took me to see him i'm trying to remember the time frame i remember thinking a wheelchair was ridiculous because mm -hmm. i'd had my wonderful birth and <laughs> thought it and um, um, thought how utterly ridiculous that i'm going to be in a wheelchair um it's so hot in the special care rooms. That's my first mm -hmm. <laughs> memory. Yeah. So hot yeah. uh, that I thought I was being all big and clever. So my first advice is always take the wheelchair. I fainted. Yes. She yes. me. Yes. Uh, she saw me kind of swaying and then, um, yeah, had a little laugh at me and said, yes, that's why we want you to be in a wheelchair. So my first advice is always take the wheelchair. Seems pathetic, but always sit in the wheelchair. Really, really hot. Yeah. Um, he he had been given steroids, the surfactant for his lungs. Yeah. Luckily, 
my waters have been trickling so actually he was in pretty good shape mm-hmm. um as far as his lungs went he was on oxygen he was given cystic was he intubated or was he he was he was incubated for so no, he was, no sorry intubated so intubated. no he wasn't no he okay. wasn't he had um, just little nasal. Yeah, he was the nasal cannula. Yeah, just nasal cannula of yep. oxygen. Yeah, and actually, only really a whiff of oxygen is mm-hmm. what they would call it. Yeah, um, it really wasn't very much, but he had a bit of a hissy fit if you took it away. <laughs> there was a period of time where that was that was all he needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I they were amazingly supportive at expressing for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that I found expressing and pumping really, really difficult, very yeah. tiring, as well as traveling to and from the hospital because yeah. I was discharged and yeah. went home. Yep. Um, and at that time, did you have other children at home at your home? I had Katie, who was 11 months. Wow. Um, OK. Yeah. So <laughs> That's a challenge I, I in still, itself. Yeah, it was. I was still working at the time. So mm-hmm. um, I had just gone into work one day. My waters had begun to trickle and then that was it. You know, so I, yeah, then all of a sudden I had Katie with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mum was great. My mum had her, but of course she was a young grandmother because I was yep. a teen mum. So she yep. was also working. So for a lot of the time, Katie was with me. Um, so she learned to walk in, in the hospital. We did little corridor runs and the nurses were great yep. at keeping her occupied. Yeah, and the helium. And did they let you take her into special care? They didn't let me take her into special care, but she was allowed to come in once he was in his own side room. Okay. So um, after two weeks in special care, he came into his own side room. He was still on oxygen, um, but he didn't need to be kept warm in an incubator. He was able to just be in his own cot. Yeah. Um. So at that time, they encouraged me to get involved with his cares mm-hmm. so changing his nappy changing yep. his bed um wiping his mouth because their mouths get really dry yep. so cotton wool over the mouths um he didn't have nappies i, I tease him a lot actually that all he needed was a little cotton ball <laughs> to cover him he was, so, he was three pounds he was three pounds um three pounds and half an ounce so he wasn't you know he didn't really need anything else mm-hmm. so yeah, every Christmas he gets a box. He gets a little. He gets well every birthday. Sorry, he gets a little bag of cotton wool balls. It's just oh, a, that's sweet. An inside joke, you know. <laughs> Twenty-one year old man now, you yeah. know. It's like, please, yeah. mum, a bit more than a cotton wool ball now. <laughs> but so that was, um, and I was, I just, my feeling of him was, like, I was just so proud of him. Yeah. Because he was a little fighter. So anyone thought, I think they felt really sorry for me. Mm. And I didn't really feel sorry. I I didn't want that. I didn't yeah. feel sorry for him. I, yeah. I, I felt very lucky. Mm. I thought he was lucky. I thought I was lucky. Um, I didn't. And it's funny, you know, you don't see the things that others see. So it was a forceps delivery, and he had um, a very bruised face. Yeah. Black eye. Um, his chest was quite sunken because he was so little. Yeah. Um, of course to you they're the most beautiful baby in the world yeah and but of course my friends at the time were were horrified so I've begun to sort of understand that not everyone sees the beauty (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but, you know, I did. I was very proud of what we'd done together. Um, so I just carried on pumping. The hospital were great. They gave me a machine to take home, an electric machine. I had my own section of the fridge mm-hmm. in, in, their, um, in their side room. And amazing the difference in milk between mums, because I wasn't the only mum in there, obviously. Yeah, but seeing the different colours and, and all yeah, of that. Yeah, the different colours, uh, you know, of the milk. You know, you could tell whose was whose. You know, yeah. you didn't have to label them. You know, they were <laughs> absolutely different. Hers was a much, I still remember, you know, it was 21 years ago. Hers was much darker, seemed to be thicker. Mine was like this light, frothy, skinned <laughs> milk. You know, it was... Um, yeah. But I do remember what I've always held on to is that is the team saying, you know, your baby knows, your body knows your baby has been born prematurely. Your body has made this milk specifically for your baby. Yeah. So this is, we can give it formula, we can give it this, and I'm not normally a, you know, real ranty breastfeeding pro. Yeah. But I was really proud that I could give him that. I knew that it was the best start for him. Yeah. And selfishly, I didn't get on with breastfeeding with Katie. She was very difficult. And to me, it seemed like a good middle ground. I didn't mm-hmm. have arguments with the pump. It just yep. latched. It just took the <laughs> yeah. milk. And, yeah. and then I tube-fed him. So there was none of this. Um, so for me, it was um, almost a relief, actually. Yeah. I could still do that. Yeah. Um, but the support was amazing. Yeah. It, it really was in neonatal. My, my, first, my first son, he, um, he was born at, at term. Um, eventually by emergency, emergency in labor cesarean um, and um, after after the second day I started noticing he'd get these kind of fits and it was at first I thought it was hiccups because it was always after a feed um, and I would think you know maybe he's got hiccups like he's got wind or something but then I realized his whole body was jerking with this with this you know thing that he was doing um, and I'd mentioned mm. it to a couple of people on the unit and um, they hadn't been, because they hadn't been around to see it, they kind of didn't really listen to me. Um, and then um, one of the midwives was with me, one of the home, I was, I was a transfer in from a home birth. Um, and the, one of the home birth midwives uh, was visiting me and it happened while she was there and she just ran to get a pediatrician. Um, and, um, and so they, they, they took him to special care that day. Um, it was also the day that, um, my milk had come in. So I was uncomfortable anyway. And also it was the the baby blues hit. So I was already feeling emotional. Um, and my asthma was really bad because, um, they'd given me a medicine that you shouldn't give to asthmatics. Um, (laughs) So that all, all together, it was a pretty, pretty rubbish day for it to happen. And I just remember them mm. taking him off. And I, I remember lying there on my bed, almost catatonic, just kind of, you know, with his empty cot next to me, just struggling to breathe and, you know, struggling to not scream at how wrong this whole situation seemed to be. And like you said, you know, they offered me a wheelchair to get down to special care. And I said, no, thank you. And I collapsed before I even got in there. Um, the co- mm. I think the combination of all of those things and then my heightened emotions um, and the heat. Oh, my gosh, yeah. the heat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the heat. Yeah. yeah it, I, I yeah. couldn't even make it into his into his where he where his incubator was. It took several attempts, actually, over the course of 
that day to get in there for me um mm-hmm. you know, having to scrub in each time to try to see if i see how far i'll get this time yeah. um yeah and then getting in there and just seeing him so i mean he was full size he was full term so he was full size he was um seven pound two um so just but to see him so vulnerable in this you yeah. know in this box I just and and even then you know again I lost it had to be taken back to my room and so each time I would get a little bit further until I could actually touch him um but yeah it was just it's just such a an alien experience to me because obviously you know it's not the kind of thing you imagine happening but if you've never been into special care and even the the midwife Mm -hmm. who had come to visit me who'd who'd seen the fits she came the next day um, to see him in special care and she had to be taught how to scrub in and all of that because she'd never been in there either uh, and this is you know a midwife right. your family's babies every day yeah yeah and then my my yeah. the second time um was when i had rosie so she was born at 20 nearly 29 weeks and um and that was you know like like you i was kind of the the birth itself I mean, it wasn't great. They they ended up um, putting me on the drip, on the um, syntocinone drip, um, to augment the, the the contractions because I don't know, maybe it wasn't going fast enough for them. It was going far too fast for me, but it was going fast for <laughs> yeah. them. Um, yeah. And and I got to t- as she came out, I got to touch her. Um, and then they whipped her away. And because I was in the middle of, you know, my syntocinon gas and air fog, I didn't really get to watch what they were doing. Um, and I'd, I had some, um, they, they were concerned about postpartum hemorrhage. So they were busy fiddling with me while I was trying to think about, you know, Rosie. Um, I did have my yeah. mum and my doula and my husband with me. So my husband went with, with Rosie um, while she was getting settled in special care. Um, so my mum and, and mm-hmm. Hayley were able to stay with me. But yeah, so it was, and it was, yeah. she was born at, oh, these are things you should remember really. She was born at around 12 o'clock in the afternoon, but I didn't get to see her until 10 o'clock because um, they hadn't, they needed to stabilize me first because I'd then lost a lot of blood and my iron was really low yeah. and all of that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I think that's um, I think that's a problem with most births like this is that yeah. there's often a a consequence after that where mum now needs taking care yeah. of or something yeah. is happening which yeah. also disrupts that bond and that, mm. that you know the yeah. mum from being able to yeah. be with baby i i had a retained placenta after Mm -hmm. brandon so although he wasn't in the room anyway and i probably wouldn't have gotten to see him for some hours afterwards anyway um just if that feel that you talking about just being left you know being there on your own Mm. on the bed um yeah very similar you know them saying you know that baby's you know he's gone and but you know saying well we're going to go to theater um and deal with your retained placenta um and that was my first had been an emergency cesarean and that was very traumatic and they told me they were going to give me a general anesthetic for this retained placenta Uh, 
which I thought was going to be very traumatic. But actually, I remember waking up thinking, oh, OK, this is this, this is nothing like the last time. I did yeah. not come around feeling yeah. as beaten up as last time, yeah. which had a lot to do with my kind of good mood, I suppose. Mm-hmm. By my and also you hadn't had like major surgery. No. Yeah. Um, they're, them saying, Alison, if he's not out with the next push, we're going to help you. I yeah. automatically assumed meant theatre and a cesarean section. So yeah. actually when I saw forceps, it was a huge relief to me. Yeah. Yeah. So it was um, in that sense, it had been very positive. And I didn't care about the retained placenta. It didn't matter mm-hmm. to me because my baby was fine. Mm-hmm. So none of that mattered. Yeah. With William, it was very different. William, my second son, but my and Paul's first son, yeah. was born at 33 weeks. Mm-hmm. No warning like with Brandon. I just got up one morning and thought, oh, wow, I'm in labor. Uh-huh. Um. So you do what, so I did what any normal person would do at 33 weeks in labor. And I put the kids in the bath and I tidy <laughs> jump. And I made sure we had bread and milk because I kind of assumed somebody was going to have to come and stay because baby was going to be in special care. And then I got to the stage where I put a whoosh on. I remember that. And then I got to, I couldn't get, I couldn't get the kids out of the bath again. I had Katie and Brandon at this point and I couldn't get the kids out of the bath. Yeah. So I had to go and wake Paul up, who of course woke up going, what? what yeah <laughs> what and how long um so um because i don't know i just kind of went into this very zen very calm okay this is happening we need to be prepared and then we need to go um so we did we dropped katie and brandon off at um a friend's and then we t- did the half an hour to broomfield hospital well st john's then in chelmsford it's now broomfield um and within an hour of being there, he was born. Um, so there wasn't that kind of preparation of yeah. no surfactant given. There yeah. wasn't, you know, we, we phoned them on the way, but we literally, you know, there was no um, no kind of prior warning. They worked on him in the room. We had a very long room and they had a resuscitation and it took them a very long time to um, stabilise him, to mm-hmm. get him breathing. It took... Uh, a very long time um they took him off to special care paul went with him yeah um and again left on my own mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone's gone with the baby and a sudden um not panic but that busyness of yeah. the room just suddenly goes yeah. doesn't it yeah it's just suddenly gone and you're on your own and i'd yeah. worked really a little more, more than a little bit bereft you know because yeah. you had a baby and where's your baby yeah, where's my baby? And actually, where are my clothes? Because I'm <laughs> naked yeah. in bed. Now I'm quite cold, actually. Yeah. And where is everybody? Yeah. So um, I just remember feeling like, okay, everyone's with the baby. I get that. But, you know, um, anyway, Paul had come back quite traumatised because he, he'd he not been through this before. Mm-hmm. And I had. Um, so I think I was more prepared for what was then going to lie ahead than he was, you know, having to watch them take blood from the baby. He yeah. found that very traumatic. Yeah. William was intubated. So when I did get to see William that evening, he was born at about 2.30 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I got to see him that evening when they'd stabilized him. Um, he was on a CPAP machine, mm-hmm. which William, um, Brandon had not had. Yeah. So that was new to me. But I was relieved because he wasn't crying. What I remember about William is that he wasn't crying. Yeah. That oh, you know, he, he's peaceful. He, you know, I know he's having help. And he said, oh, no, that's because it bypasses the vocal cords. Mm-hmm. So he, 
he can't cry. Well, you know, he <laughs> yeah. can't make any noise. He is yeah. crying. He just can't, can't hear him. That was really upsetting. Yeah, that's that heartbreaking. Upsetting to me. Yeah. That, that um, I, I don't know what, I'd not heard about that. I didn't really realise the what that might do. That, uh, that was awful for me. I didn't like that at all. Mm-hmm. And also where he was is you know I'm I'm small you know I'm four foot eight I had a cannula in different things I've hemorrhaged every time so I've always got a cannula in I've always had bloods and it was really really high mm-hmm. and I couldn't I couldn't see him or touch him properly yeah um so he got a couple of stools but uh you know it yeah it wasn't best it wasn't the best yeah <laughs> it wasn't the best place um so again you know he seemed like a real fraud after a couple of weeks in there he was six pounds <laughs> at 33 weeks so you know wow. he was a good style yeah, yeah and all the others in there obviously were sort of two or three pounds <laughs> and, you yeah. know and there was this big fat in comparison baby um he only needed help for a couple of weeks um he very quickly came off the CPAP machine he very quickly kind of um took to the breast much much faster than Brandon did yeah um so within three weeks we were going home mm-hmm. um but that feeling of um yeah being connected to things that even I hadn't seen yet yeah the alarms didn't bother me I knew what the alarms were for you talking about the the fits um remind, you know brings it back so Brandon had spells of apnea where he would just forget to breathe mm. um so all you had to do is nudge him and he'd start breathing again yeah doesn't start freaking out every time yeah a nurse would then give him a little nudge give you a smile and then walk out again and then <laughs> it freaks you and then after a while you begin to do it and not bother yeah. calling anybody because yeah. <laughs> you just oh i'll nudge him yeah and it'll be fine and um, and then my friends came to see me and then absolutely freaked out because the alarms were going off. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, you just nudge him, just nudge him. Just and poke just, him and he'll wake up, yeah. yeah just, just give him a little poke, give him a little blow in his face or something, yeah. he's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and William was on a napnea machine, but he didn't have very many spells of that, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. And taking them both home, the advice was don't have a monitor. Mm-hmm. I don't know you know, if this is the advice they give to everyone, but just the thought that you're just going to drive yourself a little bit mad. Mm. Um, just just thinking about how monitors and how these mats are pretty much normal for people now. Yes, they? standard, almost standard, yeah. It, you know, whether you whether you have a baby born with issues or no issues, it, it actually yep. doesn't really seem to matter anymore. They're, yep. they're really big out yep. there, aren't they? Um, yeah. And I have I never had one. About I, I never had one for my other children, but after after we lost Rosie, I I had to throw everything at keeping Daisy alive, obviously. So um yeah, yeah we yeah. got one. It was one of the first big purchases, not big purchases, you know, it's first like considered purchases that I made was right, this we're getting this this thing so that I can sleep knowing that she's breathing. Yeah, yeah. Um worked with a family of triplets who had little um alarms that strapped onto the nappies which Mm -hmm. kind of monitored their breathing and so on and would alarm if they hadn't you know if it didn't sense yeah i thought they were they were really effective they were much better um 
than the mats that I'd used up until that point. Um, Because, yeah, they went off if there was a problem. I didn't feel like it was um, full. And I guess you can still pick up the child without the alarm going off because that that gets you a couple of times, you know, pick up, pick my child up to breastfeed her and then all of a sudden the alarm goes off and we're we're tucked up nicely in bed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. So this was just on the nappy. You just kind of switched off. Um, you know, that, that was good. Cause like you say, it moved around with the baby. So yeah. it could be in a bouncy chair, could be anywhere, yeah. you know, actually, yeah. cause I think, yeah, they, cause you still want to half watch them, don't you? Yeah. It's not just yeah. in bed actually, yeah. is it? That anxiety, that anxiety follows you. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's funny when you're saying about, about all the stuff you did and then you woke Paul. Um, because I've just remembered um, the the day that I went into labour with Rosie. So um, I had had insomnia um, that night. And so I must have got up. Um, either I'd gone to bed and couldn't sleep or I had woken and, in the middle of the night and couldn't mm. sleep, couldn't get back to sleep. So I'd got up and I was folding clothes. I mean, in hindsight, I was nesting, you know, classic labour yeah, about to come yeah. on sign. <laughs> I was folding clothes that had already been folded yeah. i was lining all her shoes up in um a little drawer that we'd made the week <laughs> before you know it's all these beautiful shoes um and um shoes you know for babies but anyway <laughs> um there were people who had given them to us i didn't buy any shoes people had given them to us so i was lining them up nicely um and then um i'd gone to the toilet and i and i felt something weird and then there was blood um and so before waking Jamie, and this must have been about two o'clock three in the morning, something like that. Um, yeah, so before waking him, I had a shower and got dressed and then packed a little bag for myself, packed a little, the first thing I did was call my mum because we had other, you know, we had four other children here sleeping. Mm. Um, so... I called my mum so she could come over um, and then I did, yeah, got ready, packed a little bag, packed a little bag from Rosie. I don't know what I was thinking because obviously she was going to be too tiny for any of the things I was packing, but I thought, well, let me just be prepared. Um, and yeah. then, um, yeah. And then I, I, woke, I went to Jamie and I said, you know, um, I'm going to come back in about 15 minutes and, and you're going to have to get up. Yeah. So I went, I just left him with that. And then I came back when, you know, when my mum was about to arrive and I said, okay, you need to get up now because we go to, need to go to the hospital because I'm bleeding and I think the baby might be coming. And I didn't have any contractions, but I, I was aware that something was happening. Mm. Um, mm. I'd also lost my plug a couple of days before, but completely dismissed it because Google says it, will, it can grow back, you know, which can be true. Yeah. And, you know, and you know yeah. it's one of those things when things go wrong, or when things don't go according to plan and you kind of beat yourself up about what, when could I have changed this process to make the outcome different? And I, I remember saying, you know, actually, if I'd have said something about that plug, then maybe someone would have done something about it. But my midwife, when I told her, she said, I would have just told you to ignore it because that can happen. You know, yeah. so actually, nothing, nothing. The, the, even the early warning, the medical professionals would have ignored. No, even even my water's going at twenty nine weeks. What they did was they um they just scanned me every other day mm-hmm. to see 
it can replenish. Yeah. It was a high water yeah. leak and we'll see if this replenishes. Sometimes it does. Just don't have sex. Yeah. You know, don't have intercourse. You know, you'll be fine. Um, they put us, there was somebody else at, in hospital at the same time as me with a, who also had premature rupture of membranes. And we were signed up to a, a trial called the Oracle trial. Mm-hmm. So one of us was going to be given a placebo <laughs> and one of us was going to be given um, some sort of steroid, basically. Yeah. I'm trying to remember that. I, I never got there because um, I had him the night that we, before we were supposed to start the trial yeah. they were pretty pissed yeah. about it they were quite excited <laughs> and, then, and then they were annoyed about it yeah um and you saying you saying you you know you, you phoned your mum um I remember when I did get pulled up I said we don't have milk and bread you're going to need to go to the shop because we're going to need milk or bread I don't know yeah. what I was thinking yeah um and then I phoned my mum the difference is my mum's in Guernsey mm-hmm. so whilst I was my mum and she's talking about her day um, and they said, anyway, how, how, how are you? And I said, well, I'm in labor. And she mm-hmm. absolutely went, you've just let me prattle on for 10 <laughs> minutes. Whilst you're laboring, this is ridiculous. So she said, I'm, so I can hear her scuttling around. She said, I'm packing a case. I'm mm-hmm. coming now. I'm just getting my things. And I was like, mum, this baby's going to be in special care for yeah. a time, right? I yeah. don't, we're not going to need you now, but I will need you at some point. So just yeah. hold your horses because yeah. this isn't going to be fast. We're not coming home with this baby. And yeah. we've got, you know, the other kids and I'm going to need you at some point. So yes, pack a suitcase, but don't yeah. come yet. Like, yeah. I don't need you here yeah. now. I'm going to need you later. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that leads me on to my next question, which is how, um, what did you find most challenging about the experience in a practical sense? Um, being away from the other children, um, trying to juggle the children that we already had, I already had, um, and wanting to be there all of the time. Yeah. Um, and needing to be there at certain times. I was quite, I was quite anal about being there for particular feeds. It was mm-hmm. very important for me mm-hmm. that these particular feeds I was there for. So I had an agreement that certain feeds I would do. Yeah, because I remember them saying you can't. So in Guernsey, obviously, it was not a big deal. It's ten minutes away from everywhere, and I mm-hmm. could just go hang out. You know, it, it wasn't a big deal. But Champsford's a good half an hour away from me, mm-hmm. and they said we don't. Basically, we want your milk more than we want you here. Yeah, and the more you travel, the more you do, the more you exert the less yourself. You can pump. The le- yeah. yeah, the less you're going to produce, and selfishly, we just want your milk. So. Yeah please in the nicest possible way really look after yourself and that was the best advice that they gave me it was just mm-hmm. why don't we agree certain times that you come in certain feeds that you take on yourself yeah um but they were you know they were set in stone like i i had to be there and if paul was late or was just faffing about it was a really tense time like mm-hmm. don't make me late yeah i'm, I'm not missing that feed yeah. And I left him in the car park a number of occasions so mm-hmm. I could run through the hospital yeah. and just, you know, make it. Or they'd feed him for me, you know, and I couldn't yeah. risk that. Um, and they were great. They were like, no, 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 we knew you'd be here. I could hear him crying as I kind of, you know, on cue, he started yeah. to cry yeah. as I'm coming from the room. <laughs> yeah. That's you know, the thing about special care babies is that they become very routine, mm. don't they? Um, they're kind of, you know, they're fed every so often, they're yeah. changed, you know, and yeah. it taking a special care baby home was 
easy actually because it was all put it, it was, it was all already set yeah yeah taking hannah home the first baby <laughs> hannah was my fourth but the only baby i took home from birth yeah katie i couldn't take home either um i had no idea what this up through the night for the first few days was all about <laughs> it was insane on the hour every hour you yeah. know all my other babies yeah. have been put into a routine for yeah. me yeah so you know yeah that was that was uh new that was tough um so yeah the, i think yes that would have to be the most challenging just trying to sort of juggle being at home being with other children but really wanting and aching to be with your baby who was yeah. really far away yeah so i stayed um, i stayed in hospital for 10 days i think after rosie was born they found me a room in the children's ward parents suite um i mean it was pretty grim but i was grateful for it because it meant i didn't have to leave the hospital yeah um and it yeah. had you know food storage and microwave facilities and a bed you know so it was i had a you know it was like a, um, a, a little hostel room it was nice um yeah, just to yeah. be there um, and that mean, meant 24-7, I could just go to the to the special care unit. Um, That's nice. But then, you know, eventually, I think on, on day 10, I remember, and I remember writing on, on Facebook that um, the reasons I should go home are, you know, all my other children, um, a decent cooked meal, um, a proper shower or a bath, mm. um, and mm. um, I'd run out, I was fast, I kept running out of data <laughs> on my phone because there was no Wi-Fi <laughs> there at the time. Um, and, um, and also it, it smelled really bad in the, in the kitchen, at the, in the parents' suite. It smelled like something that died in there, it was really gross. Um, mm. So those are the reasons to go home. And the reason to stay was to be near Rosie, you know, and, it was yeah. uh, it was actually still a real challenge to 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 balance those two decision that decision out. Yeah. Um and act, act, in yeah. hindsight I wish I hadn't gone home because it was shortly after I wouldn't have been able to change the outcome, but it was shortly after I went home that she started to get sick. And then that started that was a problem because I was at home. It meant I couldn't be with her yeah. because all our other arrangements had been changed because I was now at home yeah so i don't know about you but phone calls home i remember getting phone calls so i didn't go and see brandon every night because i had katie mm. um who was 11 months old mm. so i would go sort of every other night now i had separated from their father at mm. the time so i was living with my mum mm -hmm. um so i wasn't able to be there all the mm -hmm. time and with both of brandon and william it was a very swift um Vaginal birth, and I, yep. you know, all of them were retained placentas and more blood loss than they would have liked. I was relatively okay, and they discharged me like straight away, you know, yep. so I never stayed. I was always at home. But phone calls, like, they have a special way of talking to you, don't they? Mm -hmm. um, so, hello, hello, it's the, it's, it's the neonatal team from the hospital. Just wanted to let you know. So, Brandon got a bit cold got a bit cold so we just popped him back into the incubator and we just wondered are you coming in tonight mm -hmm. and I thought well I wasn't planning to we 
so you've alarmed me now yeah (laughs) why don't you pop in and you think so really in neonatal speakers your baby has declined quite rapidly today yes and we think it wise that you're here yes they have a very special way i don't know if you you had that experience but certainly that hospital where in guernsey had a very special way of talking to you yeah which said that but not in that way yeah um so yeah things like yeah it would be nice if you were in this evening mm-hmm. yes no, we, we got that we got that what after she after rosie got sick you know we we got that kind of that dialogue with with um the sister yeah. on the ward who was lovely um and it was that kind of yeah yeah you know well when were you thinking of coming you know is that the earliest you mm. could come? <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's funny though, because when, when, not funny at all actually, but when, um, when shortly after that illness, um, Rosie declines quite rapidly actually and needed to be transferred to St. George's who have a near intensive care unit. So she, they only have special care at Croydon and they have neonatal okay. care at St. George's in Tooting. And um, I can't remember at what point it was, which day, what, which day it was, but Jamie had gone into work. Things were relatively stable, you know, kind of. So Jamie had gone into work and then just for a couple of hours and he came home and he said, you know, have you called the hospital yet? And I'd been there that morning, but I'd come home for lunch. And I said, no, I haven't called them. I was going to call them in a minute. So he calls and from the tone of his voice, and the questions he's asking, I've already got my coat, not my coat because it was summer, but I got, I'd got the car keys. I was sitting in the car outside the drive before he'd even got off the phone. Um, and he said, yeah, she's, she's, they said we should come now. Okay, right. So that's all they said? Yeah. So we're driving and I, you know, there was no way I could let him drive because, um, you know, when someone else is driving and you're like, you know, Oh, why aren't you slow, driving faster or you know why are you having yeah. that you know because I would you know, I just wanted yeah. to teleport to the hospital um mm. and also it, it took mm. my mind off of what w- was happening because I would have just been sitting there anxious yeah. whereas I'm driving so I am powering our way to the to the you know to our child um and yeah. they called we'd set off it, I mean it's not a million miles away from from my house but in traffic it's actually it, it's, no, it's not far it's is it quite, it's quite a, a long time um and so we 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 were probably not even halfway there and uh, they called again and he's and he said I could hear Jamie saying you know yeah we're on our way yeah I know but we're on our way you know with this we're in Streatham right now we're on our way and he got off the phone and I said has she died you know it was my first thought are they calling us now because she, she was dying and and she's died has she died already you know um and he said they didn't say I was like, okay just 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 drive just drive just drive and we got to near the hospital and there was really bad queue of traffic and I saw a parking space I mean we were I don't know how I don't know I'm not very good with distance but we, we, I just literally pulled into the parking space. Jamie said, what are you doing? I said, I can't sit in traffic. We have to just run. And so we ran and I'm not a runner. And also I was like three weeks postpartum at this point. Um, mm. so, but we ran um, through the hospital to, um, to get to, to special care. Um, walked in. All of the other parents were huddled in the waiting room, which didn't look good to me because why weren't they in with their babies where our baby was? 
Um, and we walked in and there was, um, there were like 10 people standing around her and they were doing stuff. So clearly, you know, she hadn't, they were doing stuff. They were trying to do stuff. And um, the consultant sort of came around from everybody and came towards us. I'm not looking in that direction now. I'm scrubbing in, you know, just do it so I can just focus. Um, and he came over and he said, um, and I said, Are you, is she alive? And he said, she has her eyes open. I said, is she alive? And he said, yes. And she has her eyes open. Go and talk to her. So, you know, immediately I've run over. Jamie at that point has, you know, crumpled because it's kind of with relief and also the reality of the situation that we're currently facing. Um, mm. And just, I just remember standing, you know, just standing there talking to her, trying to comfort her at the same time. My eyes were everywhere trying to figure out what actually was going on. You know, and it turns out she'd got pneumonia and her lungs had collapsed. And she had these little little bubbles attached to her lungs where she had like these pockets of infection and her lungs had right. collapsed. And so they'd had to um, put tubes, chest, chest drains in, chest tubes in her, in her abdomen to sort of, you know, drain fluid and put air in or yeah. what. I don't really understand the science of it. But um, yeah, and so it was just, it was all really, really, really scary. Um, but yeah, this, that, that, that phone call that had been, well, maybe you should come in, you know, without wanting to yeah. alarm us, but get us there as soon as we, they possibly could. Yeah. Which works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it works. It works. Definitely worked with me. I was like, yeah. Um, William got poorly once he got home, he'd recovered really, really well. Um, I remember buying everything that we needed for mm -hmm. him on the way home because mm -hmm. we didn't have anything for yeah. him. Um, got home and then the next two weeks were okay, but I noticed that he was re just just really sick. More and more often, sort of projectile vomiting. Yeah. And I'd gone to the doctor and he basically told me that I needed to wash more and just get on with it. Mm. Um, so I decided that I was booked to go to Guernsey on the boat because that's what you do when your baby's three weeks old and that's a special place. So I booked to go home and show off my baby. Um, so we've taken the journey to Guernsey on the ferry and I decided, well, I'll get, I'll maybe go and see somebody there. It's a different education, you know, it's a different healthcare yep. system so yep. I can, um, I'm going to assess that and I'll pay for it. I don't care. Um, which I did. Um, and the doctor said, here's some Gaviscon. Uh -huh. So we tried that. Um, and then sometime after that, we'd gone to the park and had an ice cream. It was, it was warm. We had an ice cream. And I took the wipes out of the changing bag for Katie and Brandon because mm -hmm. they were sticky. And I realized that they were right at the bottom. And I hadn't, which meant that I hadn't Changed had a nappy. pooing nappy. Yeah. And it occurred to you haven't had a pooey nappy. When was the last time you had a pooey nappy? When was the last time you pooed? Um, so I called the hospital and said, you know, even I know that this isn't right. And they were like, mm -hmm. no, okay. It basically told me to monitor it or whatever. I think they gave me an appointment for the next day. Um, that night, we, you know, fed, gone to bed. That night, he didn't wake up at all. Mm -hmm. I couldn't rouse him in mm -hmm. the morning he was he, he wasn't interested in feeding yeah. or doing anything he was all floppy he was gray and i so i just 
So I, I kept the doctor's appointment. And I said, look, he, you know, she said, well, when, is, when did he feed? I told her the story and she said, here's a letter. You need to go to accident and emergency now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that it works in Guernsey, it, so that letter meant I didn't have to go sit and wait yeah. In, yeah. in accident and emergency. Somebody yeah. would meet me there and take me up to, to um, yeah, children's ward. So, um, so I happened to see somebody up there. They gave me a bottle. I fed him, he threw it all up, and the guy that was there, the locum paediatrician, I've seen the paediatrician, he's now gone on holiday, wasn't concerned because William hadn't lost any weight yet. Mm-hmm. I had such an oversupply, mm-hmm. it seemed to be combating, you know, it didn't, it, it didn't matter. Yeah. It was yeah. okay. um, so he saw him uh, projectile vomit everywhere, and he laughed. He said, well, what have they given you for that? And I said, well, Gaviscon. And he laughed again. Mm-hmm. And he said, I know what this is. This is pyloric stenosis. Okay. We call it, we call it pie. It's so common. We all call it pie. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, but this is your third son. So it normally presents in firstborn sons. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, this is our first son together mm-hmm. my first two children aren't my husband's children mm-hmm. and he was like oh i see nobody told me that <laughs> <laughs> like it made a difference yeah. like, um so he said yeah gaviscon's not going to cut that so what is happening with your son is the the feeding tube basically is shrinking mm. and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller until it just cuts off they'll get no food they go into a coma they die right okay <laughs> It's really, really simple. simple. Yeah. Really simple. All you have to do is to just, what we do is we slice the side of the feeding tube that goes to the stomach. Um, so it releases itself and it heals back together. The scar tissue, yep. it all heals out. It's, yep. it's, ta-da! Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, right, okay. He said, the problem we've got is your son is so poorly now. I can't operate on him because he won't make the operation mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so he said but the good news is i've just been on a course and they've given us this concoction like this solution which kind of fast tracks these babies into getting in a better position and yeah. i said oh okay so if you just put us in a room with normal saline how long would i be here and he said two weeks I said, I can't stay in Guernsey for two weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, oh, no, 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 you're not. No, 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 you're not. Um, he said, I can get you flown out of here on this solution after about two days. Wow. Two days. We can have your son better in two days. But you will need, we can't do that operation here. We don't have, we don't have the means. Yep. We're going to have to fly back to England. Where do you want to go? Um, so they have tried to find space for us. So we had to fly back myself, William and a nurse to um, the Royal London mm-hmm. um, whilst we waited for him to be seen and then operated on and then back home. Uh, yeah. Then we did have a room for two nights. Didn't have a room before that, but that was also stressful. I ended up having to leave Katie and Brandon in Guernsey. Mm-hmm with their dad mm-hmm. um because i just i just i had to go yeah so they kept their flights um 
and I had to buy a new flight for myself, William, and this nurse. Yeah. And 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 I'd been all cool, and I think sort of a combination of maybe people will relate to this. So when you've had a really really tense period of time like that, I'd seem to hold it all together whilst he was in hospital mm-hmm. and all of that. And this wasn't related to his prematurity. This was no. just 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 something that happened but I absolutely lost just just lost you know my patience lost my call you know everything was fine it's all good we're dealing with it and my because my mum phoned me I was out getting things for Katie and Brandon so I could leave them behind Mm -hmm. I had not very much battery left in my phone and she phoned me it was a pointless phone call about which flights I wanted because this was more expensive though and I was like mum Really, really don't care right now. Yeah, we have to get back to England. So, would you just tell them yes, whatever flight is fine, because I've got to pay it anyway. And also, you're eating up my battery. <laughs> get off the phone to me. Just let them do it. Like, yeah, shut up, woman. Just, I absolutely lost it with my mom. Yeah, um, and of course, she was just trying to help, but I was just, you know, what a ridiculous question. We mm-hmm. need to go back. Why are you even? Mm-hmm. Why are you pondering the cost of a flight? Yeah, you, you know. Um, so I'm afraid she sort of bore the brunt of my um, short fuse yeah. that day, bless her heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the looks that you get, you know, we're sitting on a plane, it, the, the machines that he's on to keep him stable are beeping because they're on mm-hmm. battery mode, not yeah. plugged in. So yeah. All the time they're beeping. And, to, you know, I think that must have been the quietest flight I've ever been on. You know, yeah. you could have people around you yeah. who just like, Oh, you know, going do, on here, yeah, yeah, something is going on. That's a bit weird. Um, you know, we can't possibly have a joke and a laugh, and a, you no. know, just just a silent flight, yeah. silent hour flight to London. Um, Paul met me on the tarmac uh, with the ambulance. They'd let him sort of come through somehow. I don't know how he blagged that. I don't think <laughs> he's a good, he has a very good gift of the gab. Is what I found. He certainly does. He certainly the man, does. The man can can put himself in situations no ordinary person can mm-hmm. put himself in. I don't yeah. know how he does it. Um, but he was on. He was there on the tarmac waiting for us when we got off the plane. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, with the ambulance, um, and they um, blue lighted us from Stansted down to the Royal London. Yeah. Um, that was almost more stressful for me than his birth mm-hmm. maybe because I knew what to expect with that I knew what yep. the machines were it's yep. almost like I knew it already yeah um yeah um okay so um are there any things that you found less than helpful or things that you wish people had offered you or that you'd been able to ask for um, less than helpful is people being annoyed at you because you don't keep them posted day oh, by day. Yeah. You know, the, the them wanting the yeah. blow by blow, just accept mm-hmm. that. Um, I'm too busy dealing I, with my rubbish to, to, to yeah, tell you I'm, about I'm, it. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, mom. I was in theater with my son at the time. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I didn't manage to update you and all of that, you know, just, um, yeah, I think, so I suppose in a nutshell, dealing with other people's emotions, it's hard to try to, of course, you know, especially your own family's emotions. That's really very difficult yeah. to manage theirs as well as your own. And the fact is you can't. So probably a message that just goes out to everybody 
at particular times of the day yeah i found more helpful and i've sort of suggested and done with clients who i've supported yeah you know, yeah we had a, a whatsapp group that yeah you know, that was for our you know closest family and friends yeah. Um, yeah and then we had a facebook page um for everybody else um yeah yeah which i still have yeah not creepy at all yeah can't get rid of that page food. yeah no. um good food good food and, and rest yes food definitely rest, yeah me. You know, it's it's even more important. Your milk is so precious. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much or little yeah. they get. That was the message they gave to me. That's what I came away with, is that yeah. your body knows your, your baby is poorly. Your body knows your baby is born early. And your milk is made especially for your baby mm -hmm. right now. Right yeah. here, right now. Yeah. That's the best. I had a few friends who, who came and brought food, who... Um, you know, took me to the canteen for lunch, you know, just for some sanity time. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing that I yeah. found that really helpful. Um, people who were, you know, helping with the other kids. I had my mum around, thankfully. Um, I had a less than helpful au pair at the time who was, who was not orally because she's super helpful, but she was, she'd already left, gone back to France. Um, so, um, yeah that it was it was it was really helpful other people who were offering stuff but yeah the people who yeah. distanced themselves from us at that point yeah um, people was, that was really hard yeah they didn't like the machines they didn't know what to say to me. um uh, yeah stuff like, and, and the um so i'm very tight you know i'm small but i was the teenage mum with both of my with, with all of them i was very young and so i pinged back very quickly it didn't mm -hmm. look like I was very aware it didn't look like I had had a baby, yep. both with Brandon or William. You know, I walked out in my normal clothes. Paul yep. just bought me normal clothes and I left the hospital in normal clothes. Yep. Um, so that feeling of, I kind of wish, and I think when you have a baby prematurely and you haven't grown to that size, yep. I felt that nobody knew. I wanted them to know that I'd had a baby. I wanted mm -hmm. them to know, I almost wanted a little badge. You know, I know you can't see the healing that's going on because I don't look any different. I just like a normal walk. But I literally woman just gave around. birth. But I have yeah. just given birth. Yeah. I'm dealing with a lot right now. And the only person that disagreed with me, I was talking with a, a nurse and I was like, you know, she's well, what, what's upset you? And I was like, well, somebody, somebody complimented me on how good I looked because that's what they do, isn't it? Oh, yeah. you look amazing. You're just amazing. No, it's not amazing to me. I really wished I was still was big. Ten, and, you know, 10 stone overweight right now because, you know, exactly. I got all the way to 40 um, weeks. <laughs> right. Um, and <laughs> she made me laugh. She made light of it. And she went, oh, you can tell. Look at the size of those tits. <laughs> she, <laughs> she said, always be proud of the breast. Yeah. Just be proud of your breast. Puff your chest out. At yeah. them, she said, you know, she just made me laugh the moment away when it was really upsetting at that time. But for some reason, it bothered me. Yeah. Um. So I don't really hold with the oh, you look amazing. You know, that's quite upsetting yeah. actually, because you can't see. And I know that clients. I had a client who um had a hairdresser's appointment. She sadly lost her little boy. Yeah. Um. On the day of his birth, and some at some point afterwards some weeks afterwards she felt strong enough to go up the road and have a haircut and they mm -hmm. 
and they asked her if she'd had a baby recently she had this kind of little fluff you know yeah. baby fluff that yeah. we know and, um and of course this, this hairdresser didn't know her story she's just someone she's seen that day yeah but she said it was the best conversation she'd had with that stranger about losing her son mm-hmm. and the, the pain of all of that and she said it was the most amazing morning um she was so good with her mm-hmm. that after the initial oh goodness I'm so sorry mm-hmm. I didn't mean to upset you and, and what happens is that conversations like that are so much so much better and far more productive than I wonder if that's something to do with that profession because I, I went to have um a pedicure a couple of weeks after Rosie died um and yeah and it was just again it was certainly with the stranger the most positive conversation um yeah because yeah. I guess maybe you know they're used to kind you know used to being sensitive to the needs of all kinds of people. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and how so. did you how did you find your interaction with the hospital? Um, honestly, I felt like they um, I wasn't I felt they didn't think I was strong enough to see certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am, and yeah. I wanted to see everything. I wanted yeah. to be there for everything, and I and I was shooed out of the room a couple of times, much to my, uh, you know, under protest because yeah. they said we couldn't, they couldn't do what they had to do with me there. It was too yeah. much with me looking over their shoulder, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, I mean, I I get it. I understand. Um, and just, but I was I. I wouldn't have done anything. I'm not going to judge them. I don't, mm-hmm. I just wanted to be there, yeah. you know, other times they were amazing, absolutely yeah. amazing, very sensitive and, um, midwives, not so much weirdly. It was the neonatal team. It was a special yeah. care team yeah. that I got the most support from. Yeah. Not, I didn't really from anybody else. I know you're still under their care for a mm-hmm. certain amount of days, but, I found myself not really talking with the midwives or being checked by midwives. I would go to the neonatal team instead. Yep. Um, it was it was far far nicer. Yeah. Um, and they celebrated the small little things with you. Mm-hmm. You know, they seemed to be invested in your baby. They were really helpful in getting me pumping. They were really yeah. helpful in reminding me to look after myself. And William had the longest hair. And they would style his hair Aww. differently every day. <laughs> when I went in, I never knew what I was going to get. <laughs> it sounds very small, but it's the very small things that yeah. make a yeah. difference, isn't it? Because yeah. um, it's monotonous when you're going in every day, all mm-hmm. day, weeks at a time. It's exhausting. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing. And it's yeah, just exhausting, especially when you have other children that you're caring for as well. Yeah. Um, I remember... Um, I mean, generally the care at Croydon and I mean, Kings is where Cameron was born and that was, that was fine. Um, again, with Croydon and with St. George's, they were all, all great. Um, but I remember with Croydon when, when Daisy, so my rainbow baby Daisy, who was born just, just under a year after Rosie's, what would have been Rosie's first birthday. Um, at three weeks old, she got meningitis. And, um, we went to the GP and we didn't know it was meningitis, obviously, but we went to the GP and um, they said, yeah, we're going to, going to need to send her to hospital. And I said, I mean, no hospital would have been okay at that point. 
because you know, I didn't yeah. want to go to St. George, George's. I've still only been there once since. Um, and um, I didn't really want to go to Croydon. Um, and I di really didn't want her to be around other children. So, so Rosie died of a, a hospital contracted infection. Uh, it was a, a, a very specific, very um, sort of, you know, all, almost always fatal version of MRSA um, that she had got from a member of staff at the hospital. Um, and so I didn't want her at the hospital. I didn't want her in the place that, that had killed my other baby. You know, that I, that's how I yeah. felt about it. Um, yeah. And um, so what they did, they, they arranged for us to, to go in to, again, to not have to wait. And then also we got, and it seems really spoiled and privileged now when I think about it, but at the time it was the only way I would have been able to survive that experience is they gave us a whole bay to ourselves. So there was, it was a room with, with enough space for five beds and there was just us in there. And, and there was a sign on the door to say that we were quarantined. And we weren't quarantined because they were worried about her. They were quarantined, you know, because they were worried about other people and me. You yeah. Know, they did, they yeah. were worried about me more, yeah. more than anything. Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm. So that was, you know, mm. but, but I actually, we were in, we're in the hospital for a good few days and, and they kept saying, okay, well, we're just waiting for this. She was only, by then she was only having one antibiotic a day. Um, and she was, they were saying, we're just waiting for this result. And I remember that they said, we can, you can go home tomorrow. And, and so it was like Wednesday afternoon. And I said, but you said, you know, okay, so we're going home today. Oh no, because there's another one we're still waiting for. And she's got to have the antibiotics. And, and I said, but we have four other children at home. Yeah. Mm. And the, doc the doctor said, oh, I didn't realize. Well, then you can go and then you can just come back every day for the antibiotics. And I was just thinking, no, uh, no, no. One time as he thought about actually, how are we managing to stay in hospital when we've got these yeah. other children at home that need our oh, time and attention? Yeah, pe people don't talk about the financial impact mm -hmm. of having a baby in hospital. Yeah. It, yeah. We didn't have any money whatsoever yeah. yeah and what we had was being spent on fuel for yeah. an hour's journey every yeah. day plus car parking plus food drinks for the kids if i had mm -hmm. to take them by myself i mean it cost hundreds hundreds mm -hmm. and hundreds over the weeks that i we didn't have yeah we got you know and we got into debt because you have to yeah. there's there's no other way we had a group of i have a group of online online um people who went to the same ivf clinic that i went to um there's um and they did a collection and sent me money for food for Lovely. eating at the hospital you know because it was costing me especially at st george's they have a very nice marks and spencers there and we you know but there was not there wasn't very much alternative but then it's expensive it's really expensive i can't it's not in croydon mm. i can't just pop home for a sandwich no yeah 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 you know, in Guernsey, I didn't have that, obviously, but the, the change when I was here with William yeah. was, was acute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then when he was in well, the Royal London, I had to drive, we had to drive home. You know, we weren't allowed to stay. So we had to come yeah. home here to Essex and do that yeah. journey every day. Yeah. I mean, it, how do you think people yeah. manage to do this? It's, mm -hmm. um, it's really, really, really hard. Um, it is yeah. very You don't appreciate, hard. even when you're in it, you don't really appreciate quite how hard it is. Um, you just no, sort of take each step at a time. 
yeah it's an added stress every day how are you going to afford to get you know you've got to get petrol you've got to get there but you know it's um yeah so what would what suggestions would you make to doulas who are supporting clients or friends and family in a similar situation um I think just reminding them or taking them food would be good and making sure yeah. they are eating properly and not spending their money on that. And yeah, if they haven't thought about doing a GoFundMe type, pay, you know, like you said, yeah. money for food, for travel, yeah. for fuel. Um, that's the sort of thing that can be really helpful. If people don't know what to do or what to say. That's something that they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if they're not good with words, do that. Yeah. Um, look after the other children or yeah. maybe take the kids away from the hospital for an hour. Yeah. You know, if they have other children. Maybe you can help with their other children to take yeah. that weight off so that they aren't having that guilt of which child do I have to choose today? Mm-hmm. What do I have to do yeah. to balance myself? There's only one of me, you know, yeah. so just being, you, you've got to be another parent, really. You've got yeah. to be another partner because yeah. I think in a situation like that, you need another partner. Your yes, partner is. You need, yes, you need an extra, uh, need an extra adult in that family. Yeah, you, you do. You need an extra adult, and I think being outside of that, I know it's always great in a birth to have somebody not emotionally involved, but especially in a scenario like that where it's mm. very high and intense, and grandparents, other people have their own feelings yep. and their own triggers, and that could be very difficult for members of the family to be yep. effective, even if they wanted to be. I think yep. that could be a harder time to be effective mm-hmm. in that way. So just being that person that isn't related to that, I think we yeah. even more helpful in that scenario. Yeah. But yeah, food, money, looking after their other kids or bringing toys to the hospital, just yeah. anything like yeah. that to keep them amused would be great. Um, I really found it, found it nice when, um, you know, when my friends would come up and, you know, as well as when we, you know, just, just we'll have half an hour of either just me sobbing on their shoulder or yeah. you know of bring just coffee. being just silly turn up, you know, yeah. yeah just yeah. turn up and bring coffee you know and um, because it's 20 minutes of adult talk yeah. that is you yeah. might not get it, it so, feels like it? escapism yeah yeah and that's, and that's what yeah. you know desperately they, needed sometimes when you're in that situation you know look at look at their pictures or encourage them to take pictures yeah. do things like that to yeah. show people to show the other children I, i've cherished my picture and i don't i don't know that everyone gets that anymore but mm-hmm. that picture I still have of him yeah um it's probably one of my most special pictures that Bliss gave me so pictures things like that handprints footprints not always yeah. appropriate I know yeah. that but yeah. just something like that to keep with you mm-hmm. something that smells of you something yeah. that smells of them and yeah. keep swapping it I know lots of hospitals That's what I used to do with a flannel so I'd put a flannel in my, yeah. in my bra yeah. and then swap it yeah. out yeah yeah even though some you know what's really good the um the material breast pads, breast pads the yeah. reusable breast yeah. pads the lovely material they're quite small yeah and they're you know they smell of you yeah. just just swap them over all the time you know mm. hospitals sometimes have this stuff i've seen a few that do i've supported others that do um but if not you know i've got a reusable breast pad in my doula bag just for yeah. that sounds a bit yeah. weird but that's what it <laughs> yeah. that's its purpose you know i've got given it as a sample may as well have you know yeah. it's got a use yeah, yeah and they can keep it so two of those okay um thank you very much um just a quick reminder that if you've been affected by um any of these situations or you're in a situation where you need extra support if you're a doula uk member you can contact the doula support network um for a for a 
a non-judgmental chat about some of the stuff you're going through. Um, and that's it. Thank you very much, Ali, for talking to me today. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>